the weekly message from Encounter, where the past has no future and hope is reborn. Our speaker today is Bishop Michael Rice, lead pastor at Encounter. of your song and don't kid yourself every one of us has a song that was given to us when we were created in fact you you're a song you're a story wrapped in flesh And I, I want to take the next few minutes and share with you. Um, you've got to be open in your spirit to receive what God has with us for us today. You know, we, if we're not careful, we will get to the place that we will feel the need to understand everything before we accept it. I'm a practical person. I struggle early in my walk with God and needing to understand everything. But in reality, his ways are above our ways and they are past finding out. There are some things that can only be discerned with your spirit. There's a scripture in Job that says that God will cause deep sleep to come upon you so that he might teach you things that you wouldn't accept if you were awake. He, te- he, he has to get, I, I know this sounds bad, I, I understand this sounds bad, but he has to get our brains out of the way because if, if we understand everything, then we become God. And there, there does come a knowing, just a knowing. The Bible says you don't have any need for a man to teach you because you already know. There's a difference between the intelligence and knowing and And I'm not talking about just being stupid. I'm talking about how we're receiving what God is saying today. Is this making sense? Paul one time told the group, he he, he said, I I had better stuff for you. But I couldn't give it to you because you were carnal. And and, uh, so this morning, how many just open to let the Holy Spirit just minister to you? Father, that's, that's, that's our heart's desire. We just want to receive what you have for us today. Receive into our spirit your word, because your word is spirit and is life. So, Father, we just, right now, we declare your will be done. Holy Spirit, you're the real preacher and the real teacher here. Would you speak to us? Father, I take authority over every hindering voice every contrary spirit, every distraction. And I thank you for the safety of your presence. Amen. Matthew 6, verse Backstory this verse very quickly. The disciples had observed Jesus praying, and something about his prayer life touched them. He 
he was finished praying and they, they were moved and basically said, I want that. You ever been to a restaurant and you don't know quite what to order? Maybe it's your first time there and while you're looking at the menu, a plate will go by to another table. Anybody know me? And the waitress comes and you say, I want what that guy over there has. Okay, just, just, just bring whatever that is. Meat surprise, I don't care. It looked good. Smelled good. The disciples are saying that. They're saying, Lord, teach us to pray. Not how. We've howled the thing to death. Not how. They're saying, I want, I want what you have. Something about the way that you pray you just, you just, it's just natural to you. It's like breathing. You know, man, when we pray, you know, we got to get in these weird contorted positions and, and, you know, and, but when you pray, it's like, and not only does it seem fulfilling to you, man, stuff happens. Give us that. It's all right. When you pray, go like this. Our Father, if you forget that this is about a relationship, you've forgotten everything. This was a shock to them. All of their lives as Jews, they had prayed to God. Now he's encouraging them to pray to Father. He says, when you pray, our Father, which art in heaven, Hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come. Thy will be done. In earth. As it is in heaven. In earth. As it is in heaven. I want to tell you. Everything we do as believers. Needs to be focused around that. About the will of God being brought. About his kingdom coming, his will being done. Everything, whether we sing, whether we act, whether we pray, whether we worship, whether we give, it's, it's all to be focused on his will because when you look around and you see pain, you're seeing someplace where his will isn't being brought to pass. When you see bondage, you see a place where his will isn't brought to pass, where you see division and hatred and discrimination you see a place where his will is not being brought to pass where you see people walking in depression when you see people easily falling into sin you see a place or a person who does not, not in that moment understand the will of God and they're not experiencing it and Jesus is saying if you can come in alignment with that truth that everything you do is to fix the absence of the will of God in the situation. When there's sickness, it's the absence of the will of God because the will of God never desires somebody to be sick. Please say amen there. Please say amen there. I, I, I've met people, well-meaning people down through the years who, who believe with all of their heart that they're sick because it was the will of God. I've known people. I've, I've been pastor. We've been pastor of people who who feel like their cancer was from God. And they, they've made statements like this, that 
God must have needed somebody strong to carry this. What a twisted thinking. When you think about God as being your father, is there a father in here that would desire your child to have cancer? Come on. I was tempted one time when standing at the bedside of somebody who was struggling with this cancer and, 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 and they said, this is the, the will of God that I have this. And he, he just needed somebody to carry this. And I, part of me wanted to say, so do I just pray more, Lord? More? More of your will? You see how ridiculous that gets real quick? When you see that, you, you see the absence of the will of God being done. You see the absence of the kingdom of God on earth or in earth as it is in heaven. I promise you, nobody in heaven is depressed. I promise you, nobody in heaven is struggling with cancer. I promise you, nobody in heaven is fighting. I promise you that nobody in heaven has lack. And so when we see things, we see the lack of the will of God being accomplished. And so Jesus said that when you go to dad, you go to dad and you say, hey, dad, your will isn't being done over here. I'm coming in agreement with your will. I want your will done in earth. Now, I don't have time to take a, a, a long trip down here, but... The, the writer of this verse took pains to make sure it didn't say on earth. It's a very specific word there. It means in. And the reason it means in is because when God made man, he took earth and formed man and breathed into him the breath of life. So Jesus is saying that when you when you pray, you need to pray that his will be done in his children's lives. Genesis chapter 3. Genesis chapter 3, verse 1. Up until this point in Scripture... Adam and Eve lived in the garden. Things could not be better. There was no stress. There was no violence. There was no depression. There was no real work. There was goodness and harmony. It, it just couldn't anything. He gave them the whole planet, folks. That's the whole kit and caboodle. He gave them everything, and he said, this is all yours. The whole thing is yours. It's all yours. Be fruitful and multiply and fill the earth. Except leave one tree in the middle of the garden. Leave one tree. If you've ever flown in this country, if you've ever taken hikes out in nature in this country, if you've ever flown on this planet and you see how many trees there are, every tree, they can do anything they want. They can climb it, cut it down, eat it, 
sit under it, enjoy it, just leave one tree alone. And we pick up the story. Now the serpent was more subtle than any beast of the field which the Lord God had made. And he said unto the woman, Yea, hath God said. I want, you to tell you, I want to tell you that every battle you and I face is about what does God say about this matter. It's all about the will of God. When we pray, it's all about the will of God. Listen, here's why you've got to get that. If you think you're praying is to convince God to do what you want him to do, you don't understand the relationship yet. He isn't a glorified Santa Claus that you can pray to him and get him to do. You want to be disappointed? You sit around trying to talk God into doing things your way. It just doesn't work. It's not, Lord, I pray my will be done. You give me that house. You give me that car. You give me that job. You give me that husband. You give me that wife. The worst thing that God could do for you sometimes is give you what you want. This isn't about getting your way. Praying isn't about getting your way. Even in the church today, we don't understand this. Praying isn't about getting your way. I've received prayer requests, and, and they've said this from other churches. We're getting as many churches to pray as we can get because if enough churches pray, then God has to answer. No, he doesn't. He doesn't have to answer. God does what he wants to do. Now, what he wants to do is always for our good, always. But this isn't about getting your way with God. It's about God getting his way with you. And it's about God getting his way for that person. That's why he, he tells us to, to love our enemies. If you and I had our way sometimes, we, we wouldn't love them. Come on now. So Satan shows up in the form of a serpent and begins to question the will of God. Yea, hath God said, you shall not eat of every tree of the garden. And the woman said unto the serpent, we may eat of the fruit of the trees of the garden, but of the fruit of the tree which is in the midst of the garden, God has said, you shall not eat of it, neither shall ye touch it, lest ye die. And the serpent said unto the woman, you shall not surely die. Now he's in disagreement with the will of God. Verse 5. For God doth know that in the day you eat thereof, then your eyes shall be opened and you shall be as gods, knowing good and evil. And, woman, and when the woman saw that the tree was good for food and that it was pleasant to the eyes and a tree to be desired to make one wise, she took the fruit thereof and did eat and gave also unto her husband with her and he did eat. And the eyes of them both were opened, and they knew that they were naked, and they sewed fig leaves together and made themselves aprons. Verse 8. And they heard the voice of the Lord God walking in the garden. We'll come back to this in a moment and explain this, but I want you to catch what it says. They did not hear God walking in the garden. They heard the voice of God as he walked in the garden. 
they were here and he was there and he was coming in their direction. They did not hear the crunching of twigs or the crinkling of leaves. They did not hear the swish of branches. They did not see him. They heard his voice before they saw him. And then look what it says. In the cool of the day, and Adam and his wife hid themselves from the presence of the Lord. We'll come back to this in just a moment. Here, this, this equates two things. The voice of God and the presence of God are the same thing. Where his voice is, his presence is. Oh, come on. Uh, give me scripture for that, Pastor. So this guy comes to Jesus and says, I need you to come back. There's a person in my household that needs healed. And Jesus said, let's go. And they started to it. And as they got closer, they got word that the person had died. I mixed two stories. I'm sorry. He came to Jesus and said, there's a person in my home that is ill. And, and Jesus said, let's go. And he said, you don't, you don't need to go. You just, you just need to write right here, right now. You just need to say. And, and, and they'll be healed. And Jesus marveled at him. And he says, you're, you're right. You're right. Go. She's healed. He didn't need his physical presence, his word became his presence, all right? In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. So his Word is his presence. His Word brings his presence. His Word reveals his presence. And the Lord God called unto Adam and said unto him, Where art thou? And he said, I heard thy voice in the garden, and I was afraid because I was naked, and I hid myself. And he said, who told thee that thou wast naked? I hope nobody in this room needs to be told whether or not they're naked. Now, there's, there's, there's been a few times when I've began to leave the house, my wife would say, you're, you're not wearing that. How many know what I'm talking about? But I've never left the house thinking I was clothed. And I wasn't. I knew. I knew I was naked. I knew I needed to put some clothes on. You see, there's something else going on here. I want you to catch this. I want you to catch that the sin in their life that they now felt caused them to hide from God. And the first words out of God's mouth was not, what have you done? But the first words out of his mouth is, who did this to you? 
listen to me for a moment. You gotta, for you to get what we're getting at, you've got to grasp that. If the first thing you hear out of God is, what have you done? You don't know him yet. Because you were, before you were formed in your mother's womb, he made you. And you were perfect. You were perfect and lacking nothing. You were absolutely a masterpiece. You were a masterpiece of creation. This wasn't a facade. This wasn't a joke. I saw a video lately of a, a, a lady who, who had some of the same thoughts I've had. You ever seen masterpiece paintings and you wonder, how in the world is that a masterpiece? And this lady was taking art classes in college, and, and she, as they started to study some of the masters, she's looking at things, and it's like three dots of black ink on a piece of paper and on a canvas, and it, it, it sold for $800,000. And she showed other masterpieces that were just, you thought it came out of a kindergarten class, like, whoops. And they sold for hundreds of thousands of dollars. And so, so just on a whim, she actually became a, co a, a college class or piece of work. She, she rented out an art gallery. And she took a number of paintings that she made. And, and the criteria was she would make the painting in less than five minutes. And she would just take her brush and just squiggly lines or whatever she felt like doing and then framed them, hung them in the art gallery, created an artist with a real artsy-sounding name, okay? Hired a caterer and had an open house for this and advertised that the art was going to be sold and all these artsy people, you know, the ones that drink with their fingers in the air, you know, all the artsy people came, and, and there was a lot of people there, and they're admiring the art on the wall. Oh. And she goes around, what does that speak to you? Well, and then they'd share what her little squigglies did. And some of them had price tags. $40,000, $50,000. And people would commit to buy those. She never took any money, but they would commit to buy that. When the showing is over, I'm going to give you $50,000. What took her moments to do with just almost being silly. There's a lot of masterpieces that are just... But you're not so. You're a treasure. You need to know that. You're a treasure. You're a treasure by God. And that treasure is hidden. The parable talks about the treasure being hidden in the field. The treasure of you is oftentimes hidden in the field of the actions and words of people. 
that have buried over who you are. And your father's heart is first this. What happened to you? Who did this to you? Who spoke that over you? Let's expand what he's saying here to Adam. Who lied to you? Who deceived you? Who made you believe something that was other than my will for you? Are you with me so far? Who told you? Zephaniah chapter 3. Trust me, this is all going to make sense in a few moments. Zephaniah chapter 3, verse 17. The Lord thy God in the midst of thee is mighty. He will save. Do you know one? Here's a reality. You can't rescue somebody that don't need rescued. You can't save somebody who don't need saved. You can't help somebody that doesn't need helped. Can we get out of this religious idea that when we have blown it, whether you're not a believer yet or you're a believer, can we get out of this idea that when you've blown it, God withdraws from you? When I, when I need him the most? I got enough people in my life that have done that. If I wasn't perfect, if I didn't measure up, anybody can relate to that? They chucked me aside, they left me. Are you trying to tell me that's how God is? That's like the emergency squad showing up. Whoa. Man, you're a mess. Getting back in and driving off. We came out to have a party. You need help. Yes, sin keeps God's blessings. Yes, sin can make it difficult for the blessings to get through to you. I, I understand that, but please don't understand that, that your sin causes him to retract. God loved us in that while we were yet sinners, he gave the best thing he could give for us. And he's in the midst, it says here. He's in the midst. And look what it says. He will save. He will rejoice over thee with joy. He will rest in his love. He will joy over thee with singing. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna to give you a truth here. Listen to me for a moment. You, you want to know why we sin? Because we don't have joy. We're looking for something. Listen, we don't have something, and so we're looking to fix, to fill the void. We're looking to fix, how many know what I'm talking about? Fix something that's wrong in our life. Something hurts. Something, we may not even be able to put a finger on it, but something isn't right here. Something just isn't working. And, and as humans, we, we all of a sudden 
something isn't working. Somebody has spoke something into our life and we realize our nakedness. Maybe they did something and we realize our vulnerability and we try to fix it and we grab at fig leaves. And we try to fix what's wrong. And what this verse says is when God sees that we need saved, he's in the midst of us. You need to know he hasn't gone off. He hasn't left you. He hasn't retreated in, in, in shock horror at what you've done. He's in the midst of you to save. And how does he save? He spreads joy over you. That's what the scripture says. He just, joy. I, 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 our dog can drive you nuts sometimes. He's the smartest dog we've ever had. But he gets a little bit hungry. He eats stuff. I don't know what I'm talking about. Like, dude, serious. It's just an hour till dinner. Just this morning, as I was sitting in the frame room putting my shoes on, and the dog was down there, he, he walked over to something on the floor. He, he smelled it and started licking the carpet. Dude, what was that? And then he. What, what, what are you eating? It was, it was on the floor. We humans, when we're hungry for something, we eat bad stuff. A need, and there's a need. I, I'm feeling something. And, and listen to me, you, you got to get this. You got to get this. When God shows up, what does he do? He doesn't say, what have you done? He's concerned about what has been done to you. Because if you have that mindset, that changes everything. When you see him as your doctor and not your judge. When you see him showing up to help and not to condemn. Jesus said, I did not come into the world to condemn the world. I came that they might be saved. How does he save? By joy. He spreads joy. He understands that what was missing is joy. A full, complete joy. When you have that, you... You won't let people treat you like they treat you because you have joy. When you have that, you can't be depressed and, and be joyful at the same time. Amen? When you have fullness of joy, you don't need anything else. You have fullness of joy. I'm too busy being full of joy to be depressed. I'm too busy being full of joy to be addicted. I'm too busy being full of joy to treat other people bad. I'm too busy being full of joy to let you treat me that way. And Psalm 1611 says that in his presence is fullness of joy. It's fullness. His presence brings fullness of joy. And how does he bring that joy? It says in Zephaniah 3.17, he will joy over thee with singing. Think about that for just a moment. 
He will joy over you with singing. I, I have a hard time getting my head around the idea that God would... Anybody else? That he, he looks at me and he sings. He, he sings over me. He sings over you. Why? Because where his word is, there's his presence. Where his presence is, there is joy. And so he's spreading joy. He's spreading joy. We're almost ready to get to the heart of this message. He's spreading joy. So when Adam and Eve were in the garden and they heard his voice, what was he doing? He showed up singing. Listen, there was nobody else in the garden. He's not crazy. He doesn't walk around talking to himself. He doesn't need to talk to himself. He already knows what he's going to say before he ever says it. He showed up singing that day. He showed up with a remedy. Now, Ephesians chapter 5. Here's what I want you to understand about your song, about worship. And when I talk about worship this morning, I'm simply talking about that portion of worship that has to do with us singing to him. Are you ready? Worship is more than that. Worship is everything. Our breath is worship. If you get it down into your heart, everything you do is worship. There should be worship to God. Ephesians chapter 5, verse 17. Wherefore, be ye not unwise. Don't be stupid. Just don't be stupid. Turn to the person nearest you and say, just don't be stupid. Just don't, don't, don't be stupid. But understanding what the will of the Lord is. That's what this verse is about. You've got to get that. This verse is about what the will of the Lord is. Verse 18. And understand when we, I'm going to read this so nobody says I just pulled this verse out of. Verse 18, the word and has nothing to do with verse 17. This is an and. Are you with me so far? First verse is don't be stupid. Understand what the will of God is and... Gail Beth sends me to the store to pick up. She will tell me to pick up milk and bread. Bread has nothing to do with milk. Are you with me? All right. I come home with cookies. I said, but there's bread and cookies. And be not drunk with wine wherein is excess, but be filled with the Spirit. Now in verse 19, he's continuing what he started in verse 17. So let's just read it that way. Wherefore, be not unwise, but understanding what the will of the Lord is. 
speaking to yourselves in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing and making melody in your heart to the Lord. Listen, look what it says. Speaking to yourselves in psalms and hymns and songs. Speaking to yourselves in psalms and hymns and songs. Pastor, I thought worship was all about God. Take this home with you today. It is all about God, but it's for you. Speaking to yourselves. Speaking to yourselves. What does that mean? Speaking to yourselves. You need to know something. On the day of Pentecost, they were in one mind and one accord. Don't forget, in that moment, they were not only in one accord with themselves, they were in one accord with God. And when they were in one accord with God, the Spirit of God showed up. How many in here you sing to the Lord? Be honest, just lift your hand up. Even if it's not just in worship, do you ever just in the shower, in your car? Man, one time I was at a traffic light. Me and God were having at it. And I looked over and there were people looking at me. If you only knew. I wanted to roll down my window and say, you want some of this? Well, We'll go at it. Listen to me for a moment. Singing to yourselves. Here's what God's saying. I want you to join my song over you. There are times, listen to me for a moment. There are times when just of your own volition, a song comes to mind. You ever been just going through your day and all of a sudden it's just there, a song? Some of you, I mean, know what I'm talking about. It's just there. Holy Spirit wants you to know that very likely is the song he's singing over you in that moment. And he wants you to join in. When, when, when women are pregnant, they... There's a life growing inside of them. And the body is so designed that they have a unique understanding, even beyond their intellect, about their nutritional needs. That's why they have certain cravings. How many women had, you know what I'm talking about? What was, it, what was your craving? See what I'm saying? Who in their right mind? Somebody else, way back there, what was yours? Doritos. <laughs> Kelly, what is it? Pizza. Oh, no, it's got fruit, vegetables. Meat, dairy, grains. Somebody else. What was yours?
No, nobody warned me, and nobody told me. My wife was good at it, but nobody told me that cravings would come, and I needed to deal with them. We, we pastored somebody, honest to God, her craving was dirt. She'd go out and get a bowl of dirt and sit down and watch TV and eat dirt. Science says that probably what's taking place, listen to me, I'm not just trying to be funny, probably what was taking place is that her body knows innately the nutritional needs that she has and it will draw her to a specific food that will meet that nutritional need. If that's true, and I think it is, you need to understand something. The same God that made you knows your spiritual need. And when a song gets up inside of you, and you, you just, you just got to sing. How many know what I'm talking about? Listen, you got to know the power of that song. God is instructing you to speak to yourselves. Sing it over you. I'm singing this over you right now because this is what you need. And, and I want you to sing it over yourself with me. Because when you sing it over yourself with me, you quiet the voice that is driving out my joy. You quiet the voice that is leading you into depression. You quiet the voice that tells you you're not good enough and you're, not, you're flawed and you're broken. If you will join me in singing over yourselves, making a melody in your heart, you bring joy because you bring my presence. He inhabits the praises of his people. And where the presence of the Lord is, there is fullness of joy. And so what he says is, if you just, if I be lifted up, I will draw all men unto myself. And so he's saying, lift me up in this moment. He said, I don't feel like worshiping me. Oh, but I've got something for you right now. If you would just go ahead and, and push it aside and go ahead and worship me. As Paul and Silas hung on the prison wall in chains, having been beaten, I promise you, they didn't feel like singing. I can just see the conversation. Silas, you want to sing? Are you kidding me, man? I'm locked in prison. My back is in shreds. I'm chained to this wall. Sure, what do you want to sing? How about once like a bird in prison I dwelt? <laughs> no freedom from my sorrow I felt. <laughs> we don't know what they sang. But the Bible says they sang. And God showed up. The presence of God showed up. And the will of God always accompanies the presence of God. And the presence of God showed up and said, these guys are in prison and that's not my will. Are you with me? 
power of your song. Don't, 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 don't ever quiet your song. Join heaven. Join your father singing over you. Your singing, it happens here sometimes on Sundays when we, we lay aside all the distractions and we, we begin to focus on him, the presence of God. How many know what I'm talking about? It's not that it was, it's not that it was absent and it shows up. It's that it's present, and, and now we're more aware of it. And, it, and it, we're joining. We're in one mind and one accord with him. And if the worship leader or the person who chooses the songs has prayed about what songs does God want done today, come on, then, then it's in alignment with the will of God, and this is what he wants to sing over you, and he wants you to sing to him to yourselves. Singing to you, speaking to yourselves. Self. This is what God thinks about me. Self. Would you stand to your feet? That's Bishop Michael Rice, lead pastor of Encounter. More messages from Pastor Rice are available at our website, godenc.com. You can subscribe to our regular podcast through our website or on iTunes. Find us on Facebook under Encounter.